Welcome to this episode of Tools, Talents, and Techniques. I'm your host, Dustin Sutton, and today we're honored to host Mr. Ralph Parent. He's a real estate developer in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm everything that I've learned about him over the past couple of years and having conversations with him and following what he's doing, it's just extremely impressive to see his trajectory and having a conversation about how he got to where he is. I feel like there's a lot of lessons that I found really useful. So hopefully listeners will find this useful as well, because he talks about growing up in low income housing, but in and around an affluent area. And then how the lessons that he learned from his relationships and from sports and then going into the the business world and having to, you know, create uh, audibles and adjustments and figure things out and to, to where he is and what he's doing. It's just an honor to share this platform and, and highlight him and what he's doing and who he is as a person. So without any further delay, here he is, Mr. Ralph Perrin. Ralph Parent, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Dustin. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Well, first of all, thank you for taking the time and sharing your story and all the things that you're working on. I will have provided an intro before this conversation to our listeners, but where where would you like to start in talking about your journey? Um, wherever you'd like. You you tell me. It's um you know, the, the, the simple part is I, I've been an athlete majority of my life. I went to Boston College, played football there, and had a cup of tea um, with the New York Jets. Uh, then after my career ended, went into the nine-to-five world, um, and now I'm in real estate. I've been in real okay. estate now for about 11 years. So where I would like to start is where you grew up and how you grew up. Like, What did you see in your, your life where you wanted to be when you, when you were an adult? What was your career idea, if any? Well, I, I born and raised Boston, and I went. I moved into a suburb um, right outside of uh, Boston called Brookline, and um, you know Brookline, um, very very educational, a very uh, strong education system, uh, and and they really prepared me. Uh, I was gifted, as I mentioned earlier, um, athletically, and you know getting the necessary grades, uh, earning a full ride to BC, uh, career aspirations. I never really had career aspirations. You know, I, I've been a three sport athlete majority of my life, but one thing I knew was football, uh, sports is going to end. So I made sure that I had the educational tools in my back pocket. So when that time came about that, I was able to pull it out and, and, and start using, you know, what I've learned over the years. So, up until age, say, 24, 25, I was fully engaged in sports, baseball, basketball, football, um, sometimes hockey. Um, yeah. When you were in middle school, you know, grade school, middle school, and you were playing sports, you know, kids being kids, was that when you realized that sports was only part of that? Was that something your parents taught you? Or how, how did you develop that mindset that it wasn't the full picture of what you wanted to do? First parents, you know, my parents immigrated from Haiti and, um, and education is very, very big in my family. 
I'm the first sports person in my family. You know, soccer is the predominant sport. But when I introduced basketball, football, baseball, they, they did not know where and how to fit in. And luckily, I, I, I was blessed and I was, I was gifted with athletic skills. So I, it first started with family. Uh, when I started going to school in uh, Brookline, you know, athletics was kind of secondary. You know, you were here to go to school. So I grew up on the forefront known as a student athlete, but I was trained, you know, very much as a student first. Hmm. You know, most people say it's it's you're there as an athlete and the, and the, the student part is secondary. But Brookline took the student part very, very serious. Um, and that's how, you know, I took that same mentality into Boston College. And yeah, although I was there on full scholarship, you know, in the back of my mind, get your education and get it right. Because football is going to end. And you mentioned that your parents were part of that. And do you feel like the faculty, your teachers all shared that? Very much a community. Very much a community. My, my parents instilled, you know, the mindset at home. But as soon as I was in the four walls of schools, the teachers were, were relentless. It was about education. Hmm. That's what you were there for. On the field, though. So what position did you play or positions? I played all positions, but primarily when I was in college, it was I was I was safety. You were safety, okay. I was all right. Okay, then you go to you go to Boston College. Mm-hmm. Was real estate even in your in your uh, window at that point? Is this something that you were even exposed to yet? I was exposed to it. Now Brookline, I may tell you, is a, is a pretty affluent town. So, <laughs> and I grew up in public housing. And my exposure to real estate was twofold. One, you know, growing up in public housing, you're sitting out and you're, you're looking at multi-million dollar homes and you're wondering, why am I here and not there? That was kind of the first um, side. The second side is um, many of my friends, their parents were all entrepreneurs or business owners and they all were in real estate. So at the time, I didn't know real estate as a career. But I was exposed to it a lot. And whether it's on the construction side, um, and we can get into this a little bit later, uh, my now business partner, Merrill Diamond, who was my Little League baseball coach, uh, he was a real estate developer. So I grew up watching him and not knowing what a developer was at the time, but here I am as a developer. (laughs) So it, it kind of, I was, I was groomed into it for lack of a better word, but it was unintentional. When you're seeing the difference and you <laughs> see your friends on the little league team and their parents and, and you're, I think there's a big, there's a great point because you're exposed to it. And even though you don't know the full scope and picture of it, you still get the, the, the perfume of, of whatever that is on you. And you're like, Ooh, what is that? You know? And it opens those doors of, of interest. Was there any feeling of, cause you saw, you saw the difference between like, okay, this is where I'm at. And these are these guys. Was there ever any feeling of, um, like, what was it? Was there any ever bitter or, or feeling like, like why you're asking, why am I not there? Why don't I have that? But was there any other feelings around that? that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to put words. I also don't want to put words in your mouth, but I can imagine that there's something there. I didn't feel I didn't feel any resentment toward um, my peers growing up because they included. You know, Mm -hmm. I 
I I used to horseback ride on their parents' time. I would play hockey. I would go on, you know, family vacations. I would go skiing. I would do a lot of things, and I was very much included. So I, I don't feel any resentment, um, you know, and never have toward my peers growing up. Hmm. I was just making a point that as a young kid, having a family of seven living in low-income housing, and you know the family across the street is a family of three, and they're living in a McMansion. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that. And like, why? Um, but it wasn't until I later grew up and said, oh, that house is $2 million. <laughs> we live in public housing. But I had to grow to understand that. But meanwhile, I was still learning about real estate growing up. Um, and, and these conversations, they made no sense to me when I was at the dinner table with many of my friends. But I still absorbed it. When you were in college and you're you're finding your way also, you're focused on academics. So what tell me what that looked like and how you kind of found your your path there. I knew that well as a scholarship athlete, you're 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 kind of told these are the majors that you can get or you can take because it's based on your football schedule. Luckily for me, I wanted to get into communications. I know that I wanted to be on TV, um, possibly um, a news reporter. So I did receive my communications degree, but I also wanted a technical side too. Um, and so I took, you know, a concentration in computer science and, and coding. And this is way before coding was a big thing now. I just took it because I felt that I needed more technical skills, mathematics skills. Um, but that's, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't really, it was one part I was told these are the majors that you can take. It just so happy communications was the uh, degree that I went after, um, cause that's what I wanted to do. And it worked out in school. Did you play all four years or cause then you went to, cause you played for the NFL for a little bit. So did did, what was that? What was your, your college football career like? I, I redshirted my first season. I was a three-year starter uh, for the remaining. And then I was an undrafted rookie by the New York Jets. Um, I made it uh, through camp, practice squad, and then they released me. Hmm. Then they re-signed me and sent me to the former NFL Europe. And I lived in Germany for six months, and I played on the Frankfurt Galaxy. Oh, it was interesting. That I had a, a career ending injury. And by the time, you know, I could rehab the injury, I was already into the following football season. And by then, your stock dropped significantly. Not only are you an undrafted player, you're an undrafted player who's hurt, who had to go to a farm league in Germany. So I mean, I knew the writing was on the wall at that time. So that's when I just immediately went into the nine to five career. Well, luckily for you, it sounded like even though maybe playing in the NFL and you had the skills, you had the talent, you know, that wasn't necessarily your dream, though. It didn't seem like you you have created a a platform for yourself with your education and your community of what you're doing. So do you mind me asking, what was the injury? Hamstring. Oh, okay. It it was a bad one. Yeah. 
So in, in that, I know I'm sure it was hard to to deal with that. But what was that transition like when you were like, okay, I guess it's the writing's on the wall. I guess I got to make this move now. What was that process like for you? That is a very very good question, and for the athletes that are listening to your podcast and they can relate, especially uh, scholarship athletes, it was one of the biggest transitions for me. Because up until that point, my life was scripted by the sport that I played, by practice, by uh, weight training. Um, and so when I had to get out of that, you know, most students, when they go to college, they'll get an internship. I wasn't allowed time for an internship. That was my training time. So by the time I got out, when I was 24, I know I had a communications degree. I knew I had a concentration in computer science, but I had no job experience. I did not know how to interview because I'd never been on an interview before. All the jobs that I had, it was really a friend that said, hey, you want to make a couple of dollars? Sure, I'll make it with you. But I've never sat down and had a real job where I had to report um, at 9 a.m. And it was a very difficult thing for me to do that because up until that time, I can read a script and this is what we're going to do. Every practice, every game, these are the plays that we're going to run. All right, the season's over. Going into winter conditioning, this is what we're going to do. Uh, when and done. Now I'm into the nine to five world where twelve o'clock I go for lunch. I'm like, hmm. it was a it was a big shift to me because I didn't have to do that for twenty four years of my life, which is all of my life up until that point. So how did you make that adjustment? How how did you when you came up against against this new way of thinking and maneuvering? Was there anything that you did that you can draw back on? They're like, oh, I took this step or used this type of um, read this book or was was there anything that you used? Just keep my head down and move forward. You know, hmm. as as a football player, it's like you have no time to to take a step back and think about the former play. You just need to look at what's in front of you and plan for what's ahead. So to me, it was if I continue to work and continue to move forward, then eventually something will present itself to me and I can make my adjustments from there. And and in football terms, you make your audibles or you make your checks. And that's what I would do. It's okay. This is what's in front of me. I make my adjustment and I adapt to it. And that's the direction that I'm going. Well, that sounds like your sports lent a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a great experience into maneuvering into the into the world because even though you mentioned that yeah I, I wasn't necessarily prepared for the actual nine to five and, and these type of things but even that mindset i'd imagine that's extremely helpful very very much and, and as you're and as you're you know relaying the message to me dustin i was thinking well, yes football did have a huge impact and i'm, I'm and it's not, i don't want to discount it but many of the skills that i learned on the field. I did take them into my professional career. It was just a difficult, it was just a little bit difficult transition. Sure. You know, during the summer, it's, I would eat a very specific amount of calories every day because I know I was burning a specific amount every day. Um, and that's how the summers, that's how the summer would be. And then once you get into season, you know, you know exactly what you're doing every single day inclusive of your classes because you know that's what you dare do but everything was scripted for you and the next thing you know you have a cap and gown on and you graduate you're like i want four years to buy that fast well i have a question for you because this is something that i i've thought about it sometimes when 
you're trying to separate yourself from being, and I, I'm, I'm not saying that you are saying this, but sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you were like, okay, I'm more than an athlete. And yes, this was a part of my life. And, and did you ever feel that you had to make a concerted effort or there was something specific that you didn't want people to look at you as just an athlete or um, is it, was that ever cross your mind? I would say the first quarter of my professional career, I used the athlete card as much as I could. That mm. was, that was the easy conversation that I can have with someone. Everyone wanted to know about, you know, how was it playing against Notre Dame? Um, you know, 80,000 people screaming. Uh, how does it feel playing in a bowl game? You know, people want to talk about that. So that was very easy. But as I got older, I'm like, all right, now it's kind of, that's the last thing I tell a person is that I played football at Boston College. Um, but I, I, I eventually, if it comes up, it comes up. But yeah. I won't bring it up first. You'll just find out that I was an athlete and, okay, this is what we're talking about. Okay. So when you, once you, you, you finished, uh, the full, you get your nine to five. What were some mm-hmm. of those first jobs that, or job that you <laughs> went into on the professional side? I skipped a lot. So my first, <laughs> my first job, <clears throat> my first job was I was a printing salesman. So I would. This is back before the internet like really took off, um, and I would recruit people who would run printing presses for newspapers and magazines. And I left that position. Then I became uh, a recruiter for accountants, left that position. I was a recruiter for nurses. Then I said, let's go back into my athletic roots. And I became a physical trainer, uh, which then led me in my physical training days. uh, One of the winningest high school coach in, in Massachusetts history, John DiBiazzo, I tried to solicit his high school players. So I trained them. And he said, how about if I just hire you as a gym teacher and you could be a gym teacher, you could be a coach. I'm like, great. I get benefits now. Um, And that was kind of like my path when it came, you know, to the earlier parts of my professional career, but all the while, not all the while, but I, uh, I, I, I got my real estate license. And that's when real estate really started to pick up for me as well. So I was balancing both being a teacher, a football coach, and a real estate uh, salesman at the same time. What What was the time frame when you were uh, the printing, the selling the printers, and then the recruiting? What was that time frame? Was that just like a three year period? Four years? Like what it was, was a three to four year period? Two thousand and six, two thousand and six to about two thousand and nine, two thousand ten ish. Okay. So during the time, was there, was there anything that you learned except for maybe that you didn't want to do those things anymore, but was there anything that you took from those experiences that led you into the, uh, the physical therapy, personal training arena? You just learn how to hustle. Hmm. You know, that's when you're in sales and you're a new, you're in sales and you're just getting started. I never received any formal training in sales. I was just being me. And I pulled my football card out. Everyone wanted to talk. Next thing you know, I closed the deal. And that's how, you know, the first part of my career happened was was using my football in Boston College card. You know, okay. and, and then from there, once you start building the skills, now you have to really speak about how can we add value to a company that wants to pay you more. 
Um, and so that's when I had to transition from, okay, I can't use my football card anymore. I need to actually quantify the reason why you're going to be paying the X amount of dollars. Sure. Well, that's a good lesson in itself, having to figure that mm -hmm. out right there. So, okay, then you go and you become the um, on staff, and that's when you got your real estate license. Mm -hmm. What was it about that time that led you to real estate? Because it looks like some of these other items that you were working on or towards, and then you do this, and then you just throw out this real estate. Like, what, what, what was I, I the impetus for that? I take that back. One of the other jobs that I had in that was I worked as a mortgage broker. And so um, this is when the subprime mortgage time was happening. And one of the first deals that I closed was a no income, no asset verification loan. So I learned about the mortgage industry and that knowledge, which I didn't really understand. I didn't looking back at it. That's what got me into buying real estate. When I was in my, this is right after the crash. So before the crash, I was selling mortgages. Crash happened. Then I took that knowledge of, okay, this is how mortgages work. And I started buying properties. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a combination of being a school teacher, real estate salesman, and buying three family assets when I was young, not knowing what I was doing, but it was a simple math to me. This is how much a mortgage is. These are the payments that go into it. This is how much rent I'm getting. Okay, your your gross take away, you know, expenses. That's what you have, and that's how what, I got into real estate. Was there anybody else that was doing this with you at the time, or was this just something that you were like, oh, I'm going to take a swing at this? Just me. It's just me. Did I, you? It, just, it made sense to me. Did you make the connection yet between like your friends and their uh, families or parents of the people you grew up with? And making that connection with what you're doing now, with what you learned, or at least you touched upon when you were, or had exposure not, to when you were younger. Yeah, not at the time, not at the time, because my friend's parents, they were more into commercial real estate. So they owned buildings, like large commercial buildings, where I was focusing on residential. But again, I didn't make that connection of maybe I'm following my childhood education. It wasn't until I started getting into development with my now business partner. But back then he was mentoring me. You know, if you're building properties, this is what you need to do. And this is what I was doing when I was coaching you in baseball. I was the I'm like, oh, okay, that's what developing is. Now I'm skipping careers, but I'm but I'm 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 explaining how where I am now, there's a history to it that has mm -hmm. kind of led me, you know, whether intentional or unintentional. That's what's got me here. Well, and absolutely. This is one of the reasons why this podcast is what it is. It's mm -hmm. tools, talents, and techniques. So people can talk about what talent, you know, the tools that they use to, to find success or how they, how they utilize their talents and what techniques they use mm -hmm. to help propel themselves forward. So everything that you're explaining, like, yeah, this, this is fantastic. This is exactly mm -hmm. what this is about. So, mm -hmm. so now you're, you're, you're buying properties. Are there anything, any, any tools that you're using that, that helped you in anything that you've learned in that process that maybe our listeners could find value in? It was, it was simple. It was really just simple math. It, I was selling mortgages and this is what the mortgage was. And, you know, many of the things that had happened during the crash, many things that happened during the crash. And again, I was selling subprime mortgages. Um, 
I learned about arms. I learned about fixes. I learned about how people leverage their properties, what's good, what's bad. But no one saw that the crash was going to happen. But when the crash did happen, then I had a chance to look back and say, okay, these are the many reasons why the crash happened. So when I started buying properties, I made sure I did the opposite of that. And so I would focus more on fixed loans and making sure that I was getting the rents that I was needed to pay off the expenses and the debt service and the holding assets from there. So it's I just fall, I just went against the grain because I saw what people were doing prior to the crash. And, and that those are the skills that I learned. It was is really simple math. Where it was a bit difficult was actually in the management of properties. Now instead of being, you know, zeros and ones, it's you're dealing with people and emotions where you know, you're, you're getting a phone call at 12 o'clock in the morning or one o'clock in the morning that, you know, your toilet's clogged. Like those are things that I couldn't control and I had to learn on the spot. Do you feel like your experience in the sales and recruiting and those things, do you feel like anything that you learned then and having to hustle helped you out in, in, in the has. management? All of it has. Yeah. I would say yeah. so. Yeah, you know that that's something that I I feel like I've experienced a lot in when I went from sales mm -hmm. into leasing and then management, property management, whether it be on the residential or the commercial side, it's like learning how to connect with people and help figure out that yeah, you really are on the same team and you're trying to yeah. figure out how to solve a problem and it and you know, I feel like a lot of times working in the the sales experience really came in handy. Mm -hmm. And dealing with those situations. How did you get from buying these couple houses, these properties on the residential side to what you're currently doing? And I want to make sure that we take this opportunity to really dive into, into the, the current projects that you're sure. working on, whatever, whatever you can share. I know, uh, I know you got a lot of good <laughs> stuff coming on. So I want to make sure I don't put you in a corner and say like, Oh, I'm not supposed to say that, but I know you have some really cool things that you're working on. So I, I'd love for you to share that part of your journey. Great. And I appreciate the platform, you know, to speak of it. So I, again, I started off with, with owning, with owning properties and then folks would ask, Hey Ralph, do you know a real estate agent that I can work with? Well, I'm a real estate agent. So I started helping out um, buyers and sellers. Then I started working more with developers and finding them land, finding them buildings, they would fix it and I would sell it. A skill that I that I learned during that process was permit expedite. So I knew many folks at the building department, zoning board of appeals. Um, I wouldn't call myself a community activist, but I know the folks in the community who would actually approve or disapprove of the project. I became like the go-to person for many of the smaller scale developers to get their permits for their buildings. So that was a very, very unique skill. And now it's all about relationships with with government officials and elected officials, you know, to get things, you know, completed. Um, and then I realized that, you know, what, if I can vertically integrate and do it all, then I can increase my margin. So I started finding properties for developers. Then I would consult the permit expediting. Then I would work with developers and then I would sell it sell their properties for them. Okay, let's take this another level. How about if I find the property on my own, permit it on my own, develop it on my own, sell it on my own? And so that's 
kind of where it, 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 it transitioned to. Up until, say, three years ago, you know, I had a cap. I was a young professional starting a new family. There's only so much money that, you know, you can really put into developing real estate. So about three or four years ago, my business, my now business partner, Meryl Diamond, called me up. And he said, Ralph, I've been mentoring you through this whole process. It's time for you to step it up. You have all the tools. Stop with the one, two, and three family homes. Let's start doing 60 unit buildings. Okay, great. That's a great opportunity. And how he phrased it was really cool. He said, Ralph, again, I've been mentoring you through this. You know, the pilot has gone on to the, to the, the audio system and said, I'm on my descent and I want a, a smooth landing and I'd like to land with you. I'm like, cool. So three years ago, I did. That's a, that's a good answer. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in, yeah, I, okay. Yeah, I'm in. So um, three years ago, there was a 61 unit project that he had started with another team called Urban Spaces out of Cambridge. Um, a urban space has been a business now for about 20 years. They do a lot of multifamily residential and they brought me into the project about midway through and said, we're going to put you on as assistant project manager, get you to understand how to do large scale real estate development. And that was the first project that I did with them. And we're now transitioning into uh, the next phase. You know, many of our projects are going through entitlement right now, so they haven't broken ground yet. But we have a project that's going to be starting um, in the beginning of September. Um, this is a very, very high-end product, 50,000 square feet, 12-unit uh, building, average unit size, about 3,300 square feet. Um, the average per square foot sellable is about 1,300. So these condos or these townhouses are going to be selling between 3.8 to 4.8 million dollars. And um, that was the next iteration of you know, working, you know, with my team members. So I've done 60 unit buildings. We're doing a very, very high luxury product. 2024, we're going to break ground on a 90 unit project. And we have a couple more projects at the end of 2024 that we're going to be breaking ground as well. Um, so that's kind of the development side. So I've explained the development from the one, two, and three that I was doing on my own, transitioned into doing 60 unit, multi-unit, uh, multi-family buildings and now doing luxury. And the next phase that I'm implementing in parallel with my development is is syndicating. And I'm sitting I'm sitting at these tables with my partners, very big hearts, helping me out, teaching me about development. Um, and it was an honest question. I was like, why are there no black and brown people at our table besides me? I appreciate being here, but I'm the only one here. And the difficult part is, you know, as you know, Dustin and, and this level of real estate, you sub out a lot of work. And a lot of the work that was being subbed out was to white men. And so that's when I started to learn about the networks. And Ralph, I've been working with these folks for, you know, tens and tens of 20 years, what have you. And, you know, it'd be hard to, to deviate from that relationship. Well, I'm just like, well, there's a lot of black and brown folks that are very, you know, have a lot of skills and they're just not, you know, given an opportunity. And I'm not saying to give them a job, but just give them a shot, see what they can do. So instead of putting the onus on my partners, which is a little bit outside of their warehouse, but, they, but they're very much open to it, I said, I'm gonna put it on myself. So that's when I started my syndication um, for this project that we're gonna be doing in Brookline. 
namely, I want to get black and brown folks invested in large commercial real estate. The numbers that I'm used to seeing now on these projects and what it costs or what it takes to raise capital, fund a project, pre-development, what it takes to close on a project, tens of millions of dollars on construction loans, those type of things. And, and seeing what the returns are. I said, I wanted to get black and brown folks in, 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 uh, invested, but I didn't have the tools. So I spoke with my partners. Can you guys teach me how to do this? And they said, of course. This is how you set up a syndication. This is exactly what you're going to do. You're going to be working in parallel with us. And if folks want to invest with you, Ralph, great. And we have our own investors. We're all going to be pulled in together in the SPE. And we're going to go build this project together. So then a light bulb, you know, went off in my head. And I said, you know what? I can take this and I can replicate it and go to other development teams. Because by, by now, I know so many other developers that do large scale too, that I'm now in conversations with them and say, you know what? I want to syndicate and be part of your projects because I know your track record too. And I just needed to know what your returns are. I just need to know how you operate. Because you know what? If minority capital together to give us a chance to get higher returns, you know, as opposed to, you know, having our money sitting in a savings account, I'd like to do it. There's no obligation from anyone, but since I'm in the position and I have access to these opportunities, I want to provide it to, you know, black and brown folks where we haven't had those opportunities before. When you're when you're talking about the syndication and mm-hmm. being able to do that, there's a couple of things that you said that I, I was just writing some notes down here that I want to make sure that we that we cover. So, mm-hmm. number one, I think it's fantastic that you took initiative and you're like, wait a minute, why am I putting the onus on? Like, I need to do this myself. You know, mm-hmm. you did that. But there's another part of that too, where you have the relationship and the comfort level with people that you can say this is what I'm thinking. Can you help me work through this? Think through this, process this. And you're able to do that. When you talk about syndicating deals and then you're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this this way and hopefully it can replicate or will replicate it. And you're asking these questions. What what were are some of the challenges or were some of the challenges that you faced in actually implementing these things? The, the feedback that you've gotten, what you're doing, what are some of the challenges or obstacles that you see? Well, before before I answer that question, one word really stuck out, relationships. And you just mentioned that right now. I would not be where I am right now without the relationships that I've built and I've cultivated over these years. And it's huge. Um, like I said, for my partners, there's no reason for them. For my partners, there's no reason for them to, to, to do this. And they're doing this out of the goodness of their heart. They are a very profitable business and they don't have to do it. They're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. And I do bring value outside of, you know, my melanin to their projects. Um, <laughs> challenges, you're always going to face challenges. And some of the challenges that I had to face, um, <clears throat> but I didn't have to shoulder them, which is key. Doing a smaller project and you're getting a set of architectural plans for $5,000, $10,000 is one thing. Doing these projects, architectural plans for a full set is about 800000 
putting a down payment on a property to go through due diligence, you know, on a, on a 5,000, 7,000 square foot lot, ten fifteen thousand $15,000. Putting a deposit down, whether it goes hard or not on these larger projects could be north of $250,000. So the scale really is large when it goes from single family homes to these multifamily buildings. So that had to be, if there had to be a challenge, I would say if I were to do this alone, it would be very much be a challenge for me. But I also know my other skills in syndicating and I can look at a transaction and I know the right questions to ask a person to, you know, to say, to gauge their interest and say, listen, I've got this project under agreement. I can flip it to you, if, you know, and wholesale it, or we can get it permitted together. We can sell it, you know, a fully permitted project. You know, I've built those skills over time. So when I look at challenges, I'm all in, in, as a developer, that's your job is to overcome challenges because that's just the nature of the business. I just learned how to ask the right people who have, you know, what I need to accomplish a deal and figure, you know what, I'd rather split the profits with you <laughs> than, you know, try to take this on 100%. It makes no sense. Development is all about folks coming together, pulling their money together, pulling expertise together, resources together to get a final outcome. And that's what I do. It's a team sport. It is. You know, I, I feel like, it, and, you know, having these conversations and seeing how it all weaves together, right? And all those things that you learn and you, and you talk about before when you mentioned, um, you know, audibles and adjustments, you know, and, mm -hmm. and having to hustle and do all those things and working together and communicating and relationships. Mm -hmm. It's all, it's all connected. And, um, and be, and more than so than anything else, congratulations on, on all these things. Thank I think you. I just kind of skipped over that, but you know, <laughs> you're doing some, some really fantastic work and some fantastic projects here. Um, that being said, and you know, you have a great team, you're doing things. Is there, is there anything that, that um, you would like to share with our listeners and, you know, just the world on like, like what you're looking for or anything that somebody can help or support or need to, to look out for and what you're doing? I, that's a good question. And, um, the work that I do, the work that I do, it won't be so much that I'm asking, I'll, I'll, I'll change it around, give you an example. So the syndication, the syndication that I'm working right now, I'm not asking anyone to be part of it. I'm not actively marketing. What I am saying is, hey, guys, I have an opportunity and I have a lot of opportunities coming up. Mm -hmm. Would you like to invest? One, you've got to be accredited. And if you don't know what that means, I'll teach you. Um, you know, do you have the capital? I'm, I'm simply saying I've been given an opportunity and I have a lot of access to teams of real estate developers that have a lot of access to cash have a lot of access to opportunities. And if you want to join it, if you want to be part of, you know, the, my growing team to be part of these transactions, I'm going to invite you so long as our interests align. But I'm not here asking for anyone to be part of it. I mean, that you mm -hmm. make that own choice for yourself. I, I just mm -hmm. don't, you know, because it because it, there's enough stress that comes along with this business. And I'm accepting a lot of stress managing people's money you know, as a syndicate to go into a project. So I won't go into a project 
if I'm not putting my own capital in it, both as a development team and as an investor. If you want to be part of my team that's investing in these projects, then you can, it's projected to get higher returns. Great. No one here is twisting your arm, though. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, no, that's great. And one, the main reason that I wanted to have this conversation and, um, you know, I'm impressed by what you're doing and I want other people to know about you and what you're doing because, you know, mm -hmm. I talk to a lot of people doing a lot of great things, a lot of cool things. And, you know, to be able to share my platform and highlight people that are doing things that I'm really impressed by is a big part of what I'm doing. So, um, whether it's well, shout, out, the shout, out, shout out to you too, Dustin, for putting, for putting this together and, and putting, you know, this group together, you know, it's folks like you that oh, the, B, the BCREN. Yeah. It, to, to, to get minds, like-minded people together to push an agenda. You know, this is important. You are an organizer. Well, that's one of your qualities is that you organize folks. And that's very important. And, you know, that's why I reached out to you. You know, you're a super connector. Hey, Dustin, just letting you know what I'm working on right now. If you know the folks that are interested, we'll go from there. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I'm not, not going to force you to do anything. But, um, you know, where we're developing our real estate right now, next to MIT, next to Harvard. I mean, these are pretty affluent areas where a lot of foreigners <laughs> come in to buy and rent real estate. Sure. So whether it's a, or if you're in Brookline, which is a super affluent town, um, you know, that's right in the middle of Boston College, BU, the hospital district, the country club, or the U.S. Open is being played. Two professional team owners live in the town. That's the area that we build it. So I'm not saying that to be snooty. I'm simply saying that we go into areas that are established. We pay a premium for the land. We pay a premium for the construction. And, you know, there are folks that, you know, are attracted to that product. And that's what we offer. And that's what I'm just explaining to you, that this is what we do. And if you want to join, great. If you don't, okay. But just know that yeah. I'm here. And that's a big part of it, knowing that you are there. Because, mm -hmm. if, you know, if you the, the adage that if you can't be what you can't see and mm -hmm. what everything that you're doing, it it's on brand for, for what who you are and how you've grown in this industry and you're doing some really great things and if my small part and i appreciate all the kind words but if one my small part is to use my platform to shine a light on what you're doing so other people can go oh i want to do that <laughs> like i want to mm -hmm. do that how do i get there how do i take that path and all the things that you shared so far you know in this discussion i think are really valuable for people to learn from and for people to, to, to utilize, to grow. And that's exactly what, what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, this, I want to, I want to make sure I want to, I want to backtrack just a, a little bit and talk about like big picture, mm -hmm. big picture and, and where you are and where you came from and, and where you see this going, because mm -hmm. you know, your, your trajectory is, is pretty astronomical. It's pretty cool to, to watch. Where do you see this going? Where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? That sounded like a really cheesy, like a uh, like job interview question, but like, like seriously, like where, where, if you could be anything or do anything, like what, how big would you build this? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna change the I'm gonna change your question around just a little bit. Absolutely. And the reason the reason why I'm changing it because if if I had to break down my life to you and you know, it would be in two and four year increments because I would follow the life cycle of entitlement <laughs> until development. And then you <laughs> that makes That's sense. really that what makes my sense. life is. You know, do I want to be the next Don Peebles? Of course. Like the guy's like a heavyweight. And, you know, but there's a lot that I need to do to get to that point. But, you know, what I what I like to do is, you know, fast forward into like the say when I when I'm an elderly person. I've learned a lot. Um, there's a very, there's, when I look back on my life and I said, I grew up in a very affluent town in low income housing. There's a lot that I was not exposed to. There's a lot of things that I was sheltered from living in the town that I grew up in. And it wasn't until when I got out that I started to live in the inner city that I saw what was happening to black and brown people. And that's when I was just like, hold on, I have an opportunity. I've, been on, you know, the other side. I grew up in Brookline, went to Boston College. And here's, I have a skill that I can, you know, play on both sides of the track for lack of better. And how can I help folks out who love like me? And that's just the, that's just the course that I've set myself. In. Where that leads me, I'll soon find out. Mm-hmm. Using the football analogy that I did earlier, make an audible, make a check. Where is good? But I, but if I had to tell you the immediate, you know, and I'm going to follow a, a, a 16 month cycle of entitlement, 24 months of construction, six months of sales or rentals. Move on to the next project. That's going to eventually lead me someplace else. But it's really how do I help people out that look like myself because I was it was such a culture shock to me coming from Brookline, Massachusetts, and then moving into Dorchester, and I saw people who looked like me and what they were going through. I'm like, I need to do my part. So that's mm-hmm. where my course is from. And everything that happens in between happens. And that's the best way I like to answer, you know, my 10, 15, 20 year goals. I think the the fact that you've been so goal oriented and things that you're doing and and moving forward and then you being able to take that moment and saying like, how can I you know reevaluating or evaluating where you are and like how can I make an impact and you're I feel like everything that I've seen you do and again again all the things that we're talking about today you are doing that and it's appreciated and you know. Again, I, I I love sharing these stories and and being able to support people that are that are trying to make that impact and and you are so thank I, you very much. I appreciate much. that. And and one other thing that I'd like to quickly add, which is important too, it's you know a lot of a lot of what I discuss and speak about is born out of wanting to help people who look like me. But the work that I do, I don't exclude folks. I was never excluded when I grew up. And I don't exclude people now. So mm-hmm. a lot of the work that I do, I do a lot of work with a lot of white people. There are very, very good white people that that have helped me out to become who I am today, who continue to promote me and help me out. So I don't want to make this sound like exclude the white people, only the black and brown people. I don't operate that way. Mm-hmm. I just learned how to work with everyone. 
and I have my own personal intentions and ambitions. And how do I work with the folks that are within my circle to help folks out in general? So I don't want to make this sound like it's only a black and white thing or it's just helping out black and brown people. No, I just want to make it clear that I work with everyone. And then how do I help folks in general? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Well, Ralph, this has been a fantastic time. Thank you for being so generous with your time. I will share your contact information and your website on the show notes. But in the meantime, is there any other things that you want to leave the listeners with uh, as we as we head out? Well, I mean, I guess it'd be my contact information, um, you know, for the development side of of my real estate practice is parentdiamond.com. So like parent, like one parent of a child and a diamond. That's my business partner's last name. Put the two together, parentdiamond.com. And the syndication business, you know, I'm starting to get my marketing information, you know, um, completed for that. But um, Ascending Communities is the name of that company. And again, it's just really building up communities. That's what I'm doing it for um, and, and to help folks out. So there's, you know, 617-304-5727. Get in contact with me. Happy to have a, a conversation. Help out where I can. And we'll take it from there. All right. Well, Ralph, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. You. I'll share all your information in the show notes. And congratulations. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Dustin. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Tools, Talents, and Techniques podcast. We hope you found the conversation insightful and engaging. And if you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your network. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode as we continue to bring you inspiring discussions with industry leaders and pioneers. Stay connected to the latest insights, trends, and strategies across various fields from business and entrepreneurship to technology and innovation. Your support is vital in helping us reach more listeners and expand our community. So don't forget to leave a review and share your feedback. We appreciate your input and are committed to delivering valuable content that empowers and inspires. To stay updated on future episodes, be sure to follow us on either LinkedIn or our website, suttonrea.com. You can also find us on most podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Thank you for being part of the Tools, Talents, and Techniques community. We look forward to bringing you more engaging conversations and valuable insights in the future. Until then, keep exploring, learning, and applying these tools, talents, and techniques to achieve your own success.